Patrick Tui joining us uh, from the Show Me Institute. Patrick, I didn't take you for a headbanger, but I'm I'm glad to see it. Well, thank you very much. This is a, this is becoming my favorite appearance. If I can choose the bumpers, <laughs> you bet. You just within reason. Now, if you start getting into the country music <laughs> stuff, uh, I don't know if I can do that. But sorry, sorry about that. <laughs> Happy uh, fourth weekend to you. Thanks for joining us. And uh, I, I mentioned last week when I had you on that I, I kind of wanted to get uh, your take on on um, this Metrolink extension. I talked to Steve Stinger, our county executive, about it a couple of weeks ago. Um, I mean, we're talking about. A load of money to add a line to this existing Metrolink, um, and and our politicians talk about it like it's chump change. Yes, oh, well, that's exactly right. There are two things going on here: there are the politics of the matter, and then there's the policy. And the county has been looking into a number of uh, possible routes of, uh, of of expanding Metrolink, but the city is interested in in one particular, and uh, has uh, kind of jumped ahead and applied for a federal dollars. And so uh, they've kind of made a, a mess of the, the politics. I think the policy remains uh, the policy problems remain the same, which is this is this is just not a good way of spending taxpayer dollars. But to your point, uh, sometimes uh, people think, well, it's free money if it comes from the feds. Uh, but of course, it's not. That's also taxpayer dollars. Yeah, yeah, that this is true. So I didn't mean to suggest there that, that that Steve Stinger is acting like it's chump change. I mean, uh, to his credit, when he called in here, what his point was is that there, there were other options that were less expensive, in some cases maybe half as much, but his bigger issue is he didn't feel like the city consulted with the county enough before jumping in and applying for this grant. And I know, I know the whole East-West Gateway connection because I covered that for years as a reporter uh, with Channel 4, but... I'm interested in in your analysis on the return you get on a, a, a public transportation project that costs that much because that system is subsidized even as it is not to not to count all the ongoing maintenance costs it never pays for itself. I think if you uh, my colleague Joe Miller uh, told me that if uh, the cost for every person that has ever ridden it is about nine dollars. Uh, and of course, the fare is is a small fraction of that. Um, but listen, transit is is an important uh, service that governments can provide. And I wouldn't encourage people to think of it as kind of financial return. You know, uh, police and ambulance, for example, don't uh, don't give you any financial return. But but you're exactly right, and and I think Stenger is right. When when you're looking to invest funds. Uh, with limited resources, maybe you shouldn't be considering the most expensive. You know, so you you look at where is transportation needed, and the the north south corridor that the city wants to pursue is not bereft of of transit. Now there are plenty of bus routes that move people north and south. Uh, people don't need another way to get into downtown. Uh, and and what we're finding around the state of Missouri, and in fact around the country, is that this fixed rail transit, whether it's light rail or streetcars, really doesn't do any of the economic development that its proponents promise. You know, they, they want to build a streetcar, they want to extend a metro link because they say, well, this will be a, a financial injection into the arm of these communities, but the facts don't bear that out. Yeah, the, the, I've thought about that. I mean, it almost seems like we we deal with a bit of an inferiority complex in St. Louis. Um, you know, we look at Chicago and their and their train system and some of the other big cities that have subways and, and you can move people around fairly easily. We don't always consider the cost that they put into it. But as you mentioned, it, it, when I talk about the, the, uh, the return... Maybe not the financial return uh, for paying for the system, 
But somebody mentioned to me one time that St. Louis lost a lot of its uh, um, gusto for becoming a hub for Fortune 500 companies when we lost our hub at Lambert Airport because CEOs of these major companies don't want to have to go to the airport and connect somewhere to get to the big city they need to go to for business and that that's probably hurt us more than anything else. Kind of off the subject, but it's true. You know, I think you're right. There are so many things. I mean, imagine you're mayor of a size of a city the size of St. Louis or Kansas City. There are so many different things that affect the success of a town. And a lot of times, to use a, a baseball analogy, a lot of times, rather than play small ball, get people on base, uh, you know, run an efficient government, keep taxes low, uh, city officials want to swing for the fences, right? They want a big convention center, or they want a brand new airport or they want a $2 billion transit system. And they think that, gosh, if we just had that, then things are really going to take off. Yeah. Uh, but it, it never works. But the, the things that do work in, in creating a, a sound city and, a, and a, an attractive economic environment, fixing the sidewalks, streetlights, cutting grass, keeping taxes low, those aren't sexy. And those don't allow politicians to go to ribbon cuttings. And so they, they mm-hmm. kind of perhaps get bored with that. And so some developer comes along and says, hey, let's do this, and that's exciting. But it doesn't drive economic development. That's, uh, that kind of sums it up. Were you happy? Let me get off the subject of that for a moment. W- were you happy, uh, from the Show Me Institute perspective, with uh, what we did with TIF reform? So TIF reform in, in St. Louis was a great first step. And, and what the governor signed, so the short answer is yes. And what was happening in, in the St. Louis area was that even when TIF commissions said no, to a project uh, or, or voted, you know, uh, split even to, uh, uh, to recommend something, the municipalities were able to kind of hold their own vote and, and move ahead anyway. Right. And that doesn't happen everywhere in Missouri, but that was happening in St. Louis, and that was a good first step. But a lot more needs to be done to kind of reform uh, TIF, uh, tax increment financing policies. And, and the challenge, of course, is that uh, a TIF is an example of crony capitalism that, that doesn't know party or ideology. If I, under- so, if I understood it correctly, uh, a neighboring town could basically uh, stop one of its neighbors from offering a TIF for, f- for the full project, correct? Um, so, so, for example, uh, like a, a TIF commission in the county might say we don't want to pursue this, and, and the, uh, a city somewhere else could, could pick it up despite the TIF recommendation. Okay, I see. But, but if, they, if the TIF commission denied it, the most, the most uh, city could use it for would be like ground preparation. That's right. Correct. Yeah, That's I thought right. so. I just want to make and sure. So it's it was just a-, a matter of making sure that you know, bad ideas uh, are stopped. And, and even then, TIF commissions are, are still, still rarely say no. I mean, the, the standards they use to determine if a site is worthy right. of subsidy are so low that it's, it's, it's almost impossible to find an example where it hasn't happened. Outstanding. Imagine that. We started off talking about uh, Metrolink, and we played Crazy Train. And, Patrick, thank you for the recommendation there. I appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> hey, thank you. Patrick Tuohy from the Show Me Institute.